You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us today. You know, today we're going to bring to a close a series that we've been in about gratitude. And what we've been looking at for these last three weeks, and today we'll finish up, is that uh, mandate or that uh, part of Scripture in First Thessalonians where God tells us we should be grateful and thankful in all things, right? Not just some things, but in all things, and that, that's actually part of his will for our life. Is, is this attitude of gratitude, if you'd like. And so what we've been talking about is how can we have gratitude in all kinds of different circumstances and situations and for all kinds of different things, right? So in week one, we, we started with, with the tough one, how to have gratitude in our grief, right? Even when we're grieving, how we can still have gratitude. And then we looked at the next week, how lucky we are, how grateful we should be that we're part of a family. We're actually part of God's family, right? And, and we looked at that and how important that was. And then last week, we looked at God's faithfulness, right? How grateful we can be because of God's faithfulness. And, you know, part of what we talked about last week was we, we made a statement in there that all roads lead back to Jesus. <laughs> so I think it's appropriate that we end our series on gratitude expressing our gratitude for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? All roads lead to Jesus. More than anything else, we need to be grateful for Jesus Christ. When you think about gratitude for Jesus, especially this time of year, though, what, what are we going to be focused on here for these next four weeks, right? His birth. And that's great. That's absolutely appropriate. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in the coming weeks. But I also want to spend a few minutes today actually talking about the Jesus from the beginning of time. You know, Jesus didn't just suddenly appear on earth in a manger. He actually existed and has always existed, you know. And so I actually want to look at that a little bit. Go back to the beginning a little bit in the Jesus of the Old Testament. I'm not sure if you're aware, but Jesus is referenced more than 300 times in the Old Testament. 300 times. Now, sometimes you kind of have to dig and peck and and uncover a little bit to find those references. But wherever God's promises are in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, you're going to find also the promise of the Messiah that was going to come to fulfill it all. It's all linked. It's all linked together. Makes it clear that Jesus has always been. Uh, in fact, if you go to Genesis 1, 26. So the very first book of the Bible, this is what it says in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, our is a plural situation, right? 
us is a plural situation. Jesus existed with God in the beginning. And then in the New Testament, the book of John makes it really clear. First chapter, verses 1 through 4, this is what John wrote. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Can it be any more clear that Jesus has been around from the beginning of time? And Okay, so he, he didn't just appear on the scene on, really wasn't December 25th, by the way, it was more like probably April, but we celebrate on December 25th. But Jesus has always been and always will be. And Jesus, when he came to this earth, brought so much. He brought so much with him. He brought his saving power, right? The saving power where he laid down his own body willingly to pay the price for our salvation. But you know what? He also brought more than that. We serve an abundant God. <laughs> we have an abundant Savior. He brought that, but he also brought other things with him. He also brought other things with him. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah if you have your scripture with you today. If not, we'll have it up on the screen. And this is a very um, famous scripture. I'm sure most of you have probably seen this scripture, but I want to dig into it a little bit today. Uh, and, and we'll talk about why in just a minute. But this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. For to us a child is born... A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Yeah, take that one off, Mike. That's, that's not the right scripture, so I'm just going to read it. Isaiah 6, 6. For, us, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Okay, a couple of you. Well, if you haven't, then this is this is really good. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll hear that scripture a lot, and you know what I want to do today is actually focus on those four names that Isaiah prophesied that the Savior of this world would bring more than eight hundred years before Jesus actually was born and showed up here on Earth. I want to talk about those four names because we can be so thankful that Jesus brought those names with him to earth. He brought those with him, and that we still get to experience those same things today. So let's look at the, the very first uh, descriptor that Isaiah gives of the coming Savior as a wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor. You know, in the original Hebrew language in the Bible, the word wonderful had a very deep and significant meaning. It was used to describe something or someone that is astonishing, amazing, beyond comprehension. Actually, if you just put the two words together, wonder, full, it's full of wonder, right? When, when, when you think of the word wonder, it's not just a, a little 
descriptor. Oh, isn't that wonderful? No, wonder is amazing, mind-blowing, incomprehensible in some ways. That was the meaning that it carried when it was originally written. And then the word counselor. When, when we think of the word counselor, what do we think of? Somebody that listens to us, somebody that probably gives out some advice, right? Some, some you know, hey, this is what you should do, direction maybe. Well, let's start right off the bat. What a wonderful, loving guide and counselor we have in Jesus Christ, right? Amazing, beyond comprehension, and yet he's giving us guidance and direction. Wonderful counselor. What uh, what a beautiful thing. Now, here's the thing. The wisdom that comes from Jesus' words are not rooted in worldly concepts. They're actually straight from the throne of heaven. Jesus brought that wisdom here to earth. It's not pop psychology. It's not the, the latest and greatest book that you might go get. James 3.17 describes it this way about the wisdom that Jesus brought with him. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Pure, peaceable, open to reason. Does that sound like anything that the world's wisdom is like? Can you see that in Facebook, in the news, wherever you may be seeking to get wisdom or counsel from? Do you see that anywhere in the world? No, you don't. Because the world doesn't have the kind of wisdom that Jesus has. Thank God we have a wonderful counselor that came in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. And he is a wonderful counselor who guides us, directs us with astonishing truth and love. Sometimes when Jesus was walking the earth, his own disciples would marvel at the wisdom that was coming out of his mouth because they couldn't even comprehend it. They were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? So even, even when Jesus was with them, they, they would struggle to understand this heavenly wisdom that Jesus was bringing let me show you again in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, in the 33rd chapter, verses 2 and 3, God tells us this. If we'll actually seek him out in his counsel, he'll actually show, show us things that we don't know anything about. Right? This is what it says. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me. And I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That you have not known. Wow. In James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this about getting wisdom. It basically says all we have to do is ask for it. All we got to do is ask for it. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. Well, we can be so grateful that we have a Messiah who can guide us with his words, his counsel for anything and everything that we might face in life. You know, there's nothing, I don't have, should have brought my Bible up here, but 
that Bible, whether it's on your phone, I like the pages myself, but you know, the, an the, the answer to life's issues are actually in those pages. They are in that book. Now, that requires you to open the book, right? Requires, requires us to open the book and search out what issues we're, we're, we're trying to get answers to. Okay, so there, there's a part that we play. We don't get this wisdom by osmosis. God never said that. He goes, no, search me out, right? Study me. Come to know who I am, and I will show you hidden things. I will show you things that no one else knows anything about. You don't even know about it until you ask me. And yet, it's as simple as asking, and he's faithful to give it to us. All we got to do is ask. The next time you are faced with needing counsel, let me encourage you to go to God as your first source and not your last resort. You know, so often we have a problem that comes up in life, and what do we do? Phone a friend, get on Facebook, whatever, right? We're out there seeking all these answers, and Jesus, the wonderful counselor, actually has all the answers we need. Start with God to get your counsel. Because his counsel is wonderful. It is beyond comprehension. It is awesome. Okay? For, for lack of a, a, a better word. Now, the next thing that Isaiah talks about in that chapter is... Jesus as described as mighty God. Wow. As mighty God. You know, even though Jesus arrived here as a small, seemingly helpless infant, he also came full of godly power. Think about that. That little infant in the manger was full of godly power. Wow. You know, the Hebrew word for mighty is the word gibor, G-I-B-B-O-R. And this is what it means. It means strength, power, hero, warrior. That's what Isaiah was writing when he described Jesus as the mighty God who was coming. You see, long before Jesus came, the prophet Zephaniah described it this way. In chapter 3, says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. See, Zephaniah was already standing in agreement with what Isaiah had written, that this is a mighty Savior who's coming to save us. Jesus, our strength, our source of power, our hero, our warrior who fights for us, that's the mighty God that Isaiah is describing about who would come. Now, when's the last time that you needed Jesus to be that for you? When you called upon him to give you strength in a fight, when you asked him to stand in for you as your hero, when he showed up as a mighty warrior to battle something or someone or simply stood in to battle our enemy on our behalf. And the beautiful thing is now, Jesus has already defeated that enemy. <laughs> He's a defeated foe. And Jesus still goes to battle for you and I.
today. Jesus, the mighty God who came to set the captives free, to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind. Wow. We should be so grateful for a Savior that loves us so much that he fights for us. He listens to us. He counsels us. And he fights for us. He's for you. He will fight your battles. He will fight your battle. Come on, somebody... You need to hear, somebody here needs to hear that today. You are out on your own trying to fix things that only Jesus Christ can fix. Come on. Come on now. He is your hero. He is your warrior. We need to let him be that for us sometimes in our life, right? We need to let him be that for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you can not only heal us, but you can also save us through your mighty, mighty power. The next adjective that Isaiah uses is Jesus as our everlasting Father. What does that look like? What, is, uh, what does that mean? Well, we, we stated earlier today that Jesus has been and always will be so there's your everlasting piece of it. And he has been with the Father and is part of the Father. As Karen taught us so well several weeks ago, God is a triune being, three parts. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So when the scripture says Jesus is an everlasting Father to us, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the fact that he is one God. We read in Genesis and in John, Jesus was with God. Jesus was part of creation. Jesus was in the Father. So when we, when we hear everlasting Father as the description or one of the descriptions that Isaiah uses, that's what he's talking about. That is one of the names that Jesus brought with him, everlasting Father. And John 14, 6 and 7 says this. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You say, okay, from now on, in case I hadn't told you before, you're seeing the Father right here. He's pointing to himself. You have seen him now. You have seen him. There's another scripture that actually describes Jesus as the perfect representation of God. So let's get this concept. When it says everlasting Father, Jesus is our everlasting Father from that standpoint. Now, what are some of the traits of a good father, though, that Jesus brought with him, right? What are some of those traits? Well, a good father cares for and provides for his children, doesn't he? Right? It wouldn't, would we say that that's a, a trait that we would want in a father, one that cares for and provides for his children? Jesus showed us his care by showing us what love, compassion, and sacrifice look like. Jesus showed us that. He provided his own body as a living sacrifice for our sins. And again, isn't that what good fathers do? They care for and they sacrifice for their children. That's what Jesus did for us. 
That's what he actually still is doing for us, if we let him. A good father also teaches his children, doesn't he? Right? Doesn't a good father teach his children? Jesus taught us with his words, his stories, and his example. Jesus taught us. He continues to teach us through his word and through the Holy Spirit even today. And Jesus provided for us. A good father provides for his kids, doesn't he? Right? Jesus provided everything that we will ever need. He has given us everything to live an abundant life. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I came to give you an abundant life. That's one of the the self-professing things that Jesus himself said. This is part of the reason I came, is to give you an abundant life. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is an everlasting father to us? How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Now, the, the last part of what Isaiah describes as he's prophesying about this coming king is that Jesus will come and have the name of the Prince of Peace. Some of you may have heard that description about Jesus before. It's, it's one of the, you know, soft and, you know, like a little lamb, you know, visions that, that, that we get. And it's not in, in my notes today, but I actually just want to give you a little sidebar. And the peace we're talking about is not sometimes the peace that we think of in this world. Because in another part of scripture, Jesus says, I actually didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So what is he talking about? The kind of peace Jesus is talking about, which which we're going to get into in just a minute, is an assurance of who he is. But Jesus is not about making peace with the world. Okay? The world, my friends, is an enemy to God. Those aren't my words. Understand that. The world is an enemy to God. And Jesus is going to give us and show us what real peace looks like. Now, some of us equate peace with, I would say, a momentary lack of chaos. <laughs> right? You want to hear ever said, man, I wish I could just get some peace and what? Quiet. We, we put together those two words as if just being quiet is going to give us some kind of lasting peace. Now, if anyone here says that, like I do sometimes, what do you discover? The peace is quickly interrupted, right? With a phone call, with a whatever, right? With a text message. With If, if, if what we're equating peace to is just a lack of chaos, well, that's not real peace. That's actually probably the world's definition of peace. That's why we hear that term so often. If I could just get some peace in quiet because that's what they're associating it with but Jesus came to give us a very different kind of peace a very different kind of peace the peace Jesus gives us is a quiet assurance of who he is and that he will always be with us another part of his word says I will never leave you or forsake you does that give anybody else peace besides me when, when you hear that How many people in your life can you honestly count on 
that could make that claim, I will never leave you or forsake you. And this is probably pretty short about earthly people, right? A lot of people say that, and then when stuff happens, what do we find out? Really wasn't true, right? One of the greatest things that we can take peace in is that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. It's that quiet assurance. Now, this is what Jesus said himself in John chapter 14. Because, see, let let me set the scripture up. Jesus had been walking with, teaching, and loving on his disciples. And this was getting toward the end of his ministry. And you see, Jesus knew that he was getting ready to fulfill the last part of his mission here, to actually go to the cross and die. And he had been telling his disciples this, but they still really kind of weren't getting it. And so what he, this is what he said to them, trying to give them some comfort, right? Trying to give them, but the words that he spoke to them apply to you and me every bit as much as they did when he spoke these words thousands of years ago to his disciples. And this is what it says in John chapter 14, 27. Peace I leave you, my peace, my peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And then in the New Testament, Paul reminds us of this kind of peace that we can have in Philippians chapter 4, when he says, do not be anxious for anything. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, by the way. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the what? The peace of God. The peace of God. Which transcends understanding. Wonderful. It's a wonderful peace. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. The Prince of Peace offers us this assurance that we don't need to be afraid, that he is giving us hope, and that he's going to guard our hearts and our minds. Now, that's a peace you can't buy. That's a peace you can't get out of the next self-help book. That's not a peace you can obtain in pop psychology. That's the kind of peace that Jesus brought to this earth. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing that peace. Does anyone else need that kind of peace right now? Man. That's one of the greatest things I think he brought. Is is I was studying this out. I was praying about this week. I was crying when I was writing this. Because this is the one that hit me probably more than any of the others. This is something we can only get through Jesus Christ. Only that kind of peace. It's a peace that draws us closer to him, even in our most difficult times. You know what? Have you ever seen somebody that literally is just going through hell and yet there is a calmness to them. There's an inner peace that you can see 
That's the kind of peace that we have in Jesus Christ. You wonder, how on earth are they getting through this? How on earth? They're not getting through by any way on earth. They're only getting through from the peace that comes from heaven. The peace that Jesus Christ brought to this earth. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing that peace with you. Now, as many of you may know, today is the start of what we call Advent, right? And Advent is just means a, an anticipation of something, right? A beginning as we look forward to something. So during these coming weeks, we're going to be looking forward and anticipating and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful thing. The time in history when Jesus came out of the Old Testament and came down here to earth to fulfill his mission. And as we prepare our hearts for this coming, let's start today by just being grateful for everything that Jesus brought with him. Grateful that he's a wonderful counselor grateful that he's a mighty God, grateful that he's an everlasting father, and grateful that he is the prince of peace. Starting next week, we're actually going to start a new sermon series called Make Room. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful uh, opportunity as we look at how we can make room for the greatest gift that has ever been given. I hope you'll be here for, for all four weeks as we lead up to our Christmas Eve service. And we're so excited to, to share and bring everybody on this journey of making room and what that looks like in our life. If you just bow your heads now, every eye closed, to just pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Our hearts are so grateful today for what Jesus brought with him when he came here for us. Thankful as our wonderful counselor. Thankful that he is a mighty God. Thankful that he represents the everlasting Father. And thankful that he is the Prince of Peace. And as we prepare our hearts for these in these coming weeks, we ask that you help us make room for what you want to do in us and through us in this Advent season. This time where we eagerly await and celebrate the birth of our Messiah. We thank you for it all. And we do so in the name of Jesus. Now, if everyone would just keep your eyes closed, I, I, we don't ever want to leave any opportunity for someone who may want to experience and accept Jesus Christ for the first time or maybe it's been a long time and you want to come back you you want that prince of peace to rule over your life so let, let me just pray for anyone right now who this may be the first time that you're asking Jesus into your heart or maybe it's it's been a while and, and you want him back just pray this with me if you would Heavenly Father we come before you now Father, we recognize 
that we need a Savior. We repent of our sin today. And Father, I'm here today to give you my life and to follow you for all the days left in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.